0: Welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. Our guest is Peggy Towns of Decatur, Alabama, recipient of the Alabama Historical Association's 2022 Virginia Vandevere Hamilton Award for contributions that encourage joint endeavors and mutual understanding among avocational and professional historians. But before speaking with Ms. Towns, I've asked Rebecca Davis, Limestone County Archivist who nominated her to introduce her. Hi, Rebecca. Tell us about Peggy Towns.
1: I'm so excited to talk about Peggy Towns. I'm really just so delighted that the Historical Association chose to honor her with this award this year, because when it comes to someone who has promoted an appreciation and better understanding of Alabama history among the general public, I cannot think of anyone better than Peggy Towns. She's not only someone I admire as a colleague and a historian, but she's a personal friend and you just don't get any better than Peggy. I got to know her in working with African-American history in North Alabama because she's in Morgan County. I'm in Limestone County. But so much of that history, especially when it comes to U.S. colored troops and Scottsboro boys, you know, she has done so much. It just really overlaps with what we do at the Limestone County Archives as well. I worked with her on writing and putting together some historical interpretive signs for the old Trinity School. We pull out her book, Duty Driven, at the archives often to help people who are researching their ancestors' work, Black troops during the Civil War. Not only that, but she's just someone who you can tell it just lights her up when it, to talk about history, to learn about history, and to share that with people. She'll dress up in a hoop skirt for the cemetery stroll in Athens. She'll wear her white suffragette uniform. The work she's done has been important to the whole North Alabama area, but especially she has helped uncover so much of Black history that was hidden history and made it accessible and enjoyable. And so in my letter, I said that she is the consummate professional, a pleasure to work with, and is dedicated to her passion for history and delighted to light that spark of understanding in all. So that... Is Peggy
0: Towns. Welcome, Peggy, to the podcast.
2: Good morning, Marty. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you, Rebecca.
0: Peggy, you've been active for a while in recovering lost histories and gaining recognition for historically important sites in North Alabama. Please tell us about some of your projects.
2: Oh, where do I start? Marty, I just have a love and a passion to share the stories that are little known or facts that have been forgotten. I guess my very first project was designing an African-American pioneers brochure for Decatur. And I actually had gone to Selma and I saw that they had one. And I said, we have so much history here. So I came back home. And me and my partner in crime, Dr. Raglan, sat down and designed a brochure, presented it to the Tourism Board, and of course, the rest is history. From that project, we also designed a Lift Every Voice and seeing video that's shown even today at events and in schools to share a bit of Old Town, the oldest neighborhood in Decatur's history.
0: You've done some other work relative to this kind of thing, tourism work, you might say. Tell us about the walking tours that you have created.
2: I present or lead a Scottsboro Boys walking tour. Many people do not know, but all the Scottsboro Boys trials from 1933 to 1937 were actually held here in Decatur. Many of the potential Black jurors who testified that there were no Blacks on the jury rows were from here in Decatur. I really do walking tours that go by some of their homes and by Judge Callahan's home as well. Several years ago, I was instrumental with Senator Orr and some others. We obtained an Alabama historical marker about the Scottsboro Boys trial that's over at the Morgan County Courthouse. One side has information about Judge Horton and the other about the Scottsboro Boys.
0: You've also done an
2: on-sell tour. Tell us about that. Oh, I'm just so excited about that. In conjunction with the Muscle Shells National Heritage Area, we have on-sale on tours, and what you do is just go by, scan a QR code. Once you open it, you have all of this information and pictures as well about that particular area. It was really, really great during COVID because it's a self-guided tour. And just recently, Marty, Caroline Barth Crawford with UNA in the Muscle Shells National Heritage Area sent me an email because that particular project was included in a national hearts and stone magazine. So we're just really proud about that.
0: Well that's wonderful. And I am happy to hear that it has been so well received. Yes, you're right. COVID opened up the world of self-guided tours. And I'm so yes, that- yes
2: and to be included in that Heart and Soul magazine, that just put us a bar (laughs) higher, so I'm just so excited about that. We also did what we call a hidden spaces project. You know, in Old Town, there are a lot of empty spaces because of urban renewal. So we showcased the area with hidden spaces, faces and places. We went back and looked at history and provided a story for people to see Keep in mind during segregation, the Vine Street area was the business district. There were physicians, drugstores, beauty shops, restaurants, all kinds of enterprises were located in that area. And I tell people that sharing this is like a quilt. Every piece of information, every document, every picture, every name is just, once it's stitched together, it becomes a bigger piece. While some of my work involves African American history, I tell people it's Alabama history. It's what I call the missing pieces. And so once it's all put together, then we have a better covering for us all. I'll tell you, when you talk about the yellow fever epidemic that was here in 1878, you know, nobody ever mentions the Blacks here. And so I was just amazed to find this article about the Blacks who were like a committee. And what they did was form a patrol to guard stores and property here. And you never hear about that. So, as I said, just a piece of our history that makes it a whole piece. <laughs>
0: I like the analogy. And yes, you are doing the work of historical recovery, as well as critical reading and promulgation of these stories, getting them out there. I think that's wonderful work. You have been involved in some historical site work as well. Tell us about those projects.
2: My very first project was to get Bell Cemetery on the Alabama Historical Register of Cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I did that one first, and it was the first Black cemetery in Morgan County to be listed. But my purpose in doing it was because it was a smaller cemetery and my primary goal was to index Sykes Cemetery, which has a bit of historical significance as well, because the 1901 Constitution, as you know, disenfranchised blacks. And of course, they were no longer allowed to be buried in the Decatur City Cemetery. So J.J. Sykes purchased property, which became known as the sykes Magnolia Cemetery. And that was the burying place for most of the blacks until the late 60s here in Decatur, Alabama. Then later, Fort Henderson. Marty, somebody was surprised when I made a presentation. I said, in all of the pension records, it's not referred to as Fort Henderson. It's referred to as the Fort on Coleman Hill in Athens. And so that later became Fort Henderson, named after someone who did an abstract on the property. Later, Black Civil War soldiers were garrisoned at Fort Henderson. The 106 is what I call Decatur's best-kept secret. It was one of only two United States Colored Troops regiments organized or established in the state and was done right here in Decatur, Alabama, in my hometown. The 106, the 110th, and the 111th were garrisoned at Fort Henderson, and their primary objection was to guard the railroad. Nathan Bedford Forrest came through in September 1864, captured them, carried them to Mobile to work on the enemy's defense. And my first book, duty-driven, the plight of North Alabama's African-Americans during the Civil War. I had no idea that there were United States colored troops here in North Alabama. I had contact archives and other places, you know, just wanted to know additional information about these soldiers. Someone in Mobile told me that I was sadly mistaken. There were never, ever any black POWs sent there. There were impressed slaves sent to work by their masters. And I said, I beg to differ. I have documents here. That was in my book, Duty Driven. I also submitted an application about the perils of Fort Henderson. How about the Trinity
0: School Project?
2: With the Trinity School Project and the American Civil War Battlefield Project, we have some signage there at the school that walks through that story as well, from the Civil War to after the Civil War, education, all of that. Just bits of our history coming together and giving us a picture of who we are for future generations. And I think it does us good, all of us, as a people to share and to know this information. And we have to remember our history is not always glamorous, it's not always triumphant, but it's still our history, it's still our truth. And so I believe that we need to stand in that truth as we share history and perhaps we all will become better people when we know more about who we are, where we came from, and that kind of thing. It's what they say, hear the truth, speak the truth, see the truth, and teach the truth. And you know, Marty, now with such an urgency about sharing the truth of our history, it is so important that we hold fast to teaching the truth not just for us but for future generations and our ancestors to tell their stories to be a voice for them
0: and that seems to be what your projects are all about you mentioned your first book duty driven the plight of north alabama's african-americans during the civil war but you have two other books you have I one did. on Scottsboro Unmasked Decatur Story, and another called Scapegoat Tommy Lee Hines Story. Tell me about those
2: books. My book, Scottsboro Unmasked Decatur Story, came about because of me being asked to present a walking tour on the Scottsboro Boys trial. And of course, I dug. And found out that some believe, actually, that To Kill a Mockingbird was based on the Scottsboro Boys' Trials. I found information about the potential jurors. And from that, I said, oh, my God, some of these people, Marty, lived across the street from me or on the other street. And I had no idea that they were involved with the Scottsboro Boys' trial. Now, I knew that my grandmother had gone to the trials when they were here in Decatur because she talked about it, but that's all she mentioned. But I had no idea that Blacks had been denied being on jury rows, and I had no, no idea that it took an Alabama act after the Supreme Court ruling to say, okay, it's time to include the names of Blacks on jury rows, and then I found out of course, that even later, it, in the 60s, women were not even listed on jury rolls. So, you know, just those bits and pieces of our history just come together. And so I share that, but my purpose in writing the Scottsboro Boys book was to share Decatur's perspective about the trials, how it impact people here in Decatur, both white and black. And as I told you earlier, All of the trials were held right here from 1933 to 1937. Only one trial was held in Scottsboro, and all the rest were held here in Decatur. The locals were involved. First Baptist Church on Vine Street, that's where Leibowitz met with the Black communities. I don't know whether you know or not, Marty, but the church on Vine Street, Wallace Ray Hill designed that church, and Wallace Rayfield at that particular time was the second black architect in the United States. He also designed the 16th Street Baptist Church where the girls were bombed. In 1963,
0: Yes. yes. Yes, yes. Well, that's fascinating. Your last book, your most recent book, Scapegoat, Tommy Lee Hines' Story. I'm unfamiliar with this. Tell me about it.
2: Tommy Lee Hines was an intellectually disabled young man, 25, when he was arrested for raping three white women and robbery. He had an IQ of a six-year-old at the time of his arrest. His attorney requested a change of venue, and the trial was sent to Cullman County with 1% Blacks and none living in the city of Coleman. I tell everybody it was a very long, hard summer. SCLC was requested to come in by the Black community. Of course, the Klan felt that the city of Decatur needed their assistance. So they were here and crosses were burned, even at the city hall. It was just a horrible time, and I guess the most horrific part of this ordeal is that there's no way that Tommy Lee Hines could have been responsible for these crimes. Sadly, you'll have to read my book to find out what happened to him. <laughs> That's the question I get most of the time, well, what happened to him, but I tell her, read the book and find out. <laughs> Marty, also, last year, I assisted with getting a Pomeroy marker here. Many people do not know, but Ellen Stevens-Hildred was the first president of the Alabama suffrage movement. So in 1895, of course, Susan B. Anthony was here, but then on the flip side of that coin, There were also black women who were involved with the suffrage movement, too. So just sharing little known stories about our area is my passion, I guess. My mother used to tell us when we were children, if you don't know where you've been, you'll never know where you're going. I also portray historic figures. I go to schools, cemeteries, uh, strolls, uh, other community events, dressing and character. I portrayed uh, Kathy Williams, who was a Buffalo soldier. Many people don't know, but the 10th Cavalry Buffalo soldiers were in Huntsville. So I go over there and portray her. I portray Patsy Owens, Eliza Jones, who was a Civil War nurse. In her pension records, she talks about being a nurse at the old bank house. That's what she called the old state bank building back then. Of course, as you know, it served as a hospital for both the Confederate and federal troops. I love doing this with the children because you can feel their excitement when you dress in character and you kind of have their attention engaging them. I also do presentations for Ollie and Learning Quest. I tell people they're our stories. They're not just a black story. They're not just a white story, but they're our stories. And hopefully what we're doing will just be all the better for it.
0: I certainly hope you're right. What future projects do you have planned?
2: You could say that I'm coming back full circle because just recently, I have been looking at some of the pension records from the Civil War soldiers, the USCTs. I don't know whether there'll be a second book that comes out of that about the USCTs, but I am revisiting the pension records. Of course, Scottsboro Boys is just a steady project that I'm involved with on a committee, and hopefully we will be able to get a Scottsboro Boys Museum here in Decatur. John at the archives has a witness stand. We have jury chairs. We have the railings. So, you know, we have a lot of information at our archives, both in Limestone County as well as here in Morgan County, referencing these trials. As you know, Judge Horton was from Limestone County. So... Rebecca has a bucket of letters written to Judge Horton during those times.
0: That bucket of letters is a pretty interesting thing in itself. She makes a great presentation about it. Well... Peggy, thank you very much for joining us today on the Alabama History Podcast, and congratulations for winning the Alabama Historical Association's 2022 Virginia Vanderveer Hamilton Award for these projects that you've been doing to bring together avocational historians and professional historians. Thanks for being here.
2: Thank you, Marty. I am just so humble, and you know you don't expect to get an award for something that you love so dearly. But, it's but nice, I do isn't? appreciate it. Yes, it is. Thank
0: you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at City Stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at AlabamaFolklife.org